Somebody stopped me and said, hey, Ryan, with your uh, shaved round head, you kind of look like an emoji. <laughs> yeah, that's not funny. Come on. <laughs> Welcome to Grace this weekend. Thanks for being with us. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And if you're here in the room or maybe watch online, maybe for the first time, thanks for being with us, especially if you're a guest. We realize it can be a big deal to come to church for the first time, really not know what to expect. So thanks for doing that. And uh, I want to make sure I point something out here before we even jump into our conversation today. You may or may not know this, but the, the Bath Campus, is what you're a part of right now, has two different locations. So right now you're sitting in the Gent Road building. There's also the Extension, is another building where we have host services and have services. And at that building, the Extension is actually going to need some, some pretty major roof repairs. It's going to take about six weeks to do that. And so what we're going to do for about uh, six weeks is we are going to put the extension kind of on summer break, on summer hiatus. We're not going to be hosting service there. So if you've been thinking about trying out the extension, don't, at least for the next six weeks. Nothing will be happening there except roof repair. So come to this building. We'll all kind of do that. This is a great time. We'll just put out a reminder to try our Saturday night services. There's a ton of space there. So try that out. Uh, we'll fix those over the next six weeks. Then mid-August, uh, we'll kick back in and kind of relaunch the extension. So next weekend, starting then, uh, the extension will kind of be on a break, again, for about a six-week time period. So make sure to take note of that. If you bounce back and forth between Gent Road and the extension, uh, that you you will want to make sure to go to Gent Road, okay? We'll keep you up to speed on all the rest. And uh, we are starting a brand new series today called All the Feels, and uh, this one's all about emotion, right? We're going to talk about kind of the emotional side of life and really kind of the harder emotional side, the harder part of life, we could say, right? So when we bump into those kinds of emotions, what do we do with them? And here's what we've been saying in the context of our kind of our summer semester. So really what we want to focus on in this whole summer is really embracing adult life, kind of adulting. Right? I want to look at my season of life today, and I want to embrace that. That's what we really talked about in our last series right now. If you missed that, you can catch up online. We said, as I embrace my adult life, the roles that I'm in, the response responsibilities that I have, right? kind of, kind of wearing my grown-up pants. What we could say is that as I do that, what's going to happen is I'm going to bump into real grown-up kind of adult emotions. I'm going to bump into things sometimes like loneliness or insecurity, maybe even sometimes depression or grief, frustration in life. That stuff is going to happen. It's not so matter, much a matter of if it happens, more a matter of when, Right? Because the stress of life, the pressure of life, just kind of living out normal life, embracing it from a, a, an adult perspective, I'm going to bump into this stuff. And we want to say, how do I figure that out? How do I process those emotions when they show up so that I'm not surprised by it? Right? When, when a wave of anxiety hits my life, what do I do with that? When all of a sudden I find myself in, in kind of a depression, I'm finding myself kind of sinking down, how do I deal with that? When I'm disconnected maybe from friends or the natural pathways that would create new friendships and I find myself actually experiencing loneliness, which maybe I never thought I would, what do I do right, when those things start to show up? So we want to spend some time really processing that, digging into it, and figuring out how do we own this and make sure we are fully functioning human beings. So that's the goal for all of us. And if this emotional part of life is off, it affects every other area of our life, and it can really shut us down from some of what God wants for us. Back in college, I, uh, I used to play Ultimate Frisbee. And if you've, if you've never played Ultimate Frisbee, it is a phenomenal game. It's kind of like a football and soccer mixed together, but with a Frisbee. And so the, the way you play is you, you score by catching the Frisbee in the end zone, just like in football, you actually have to catch it, you can't run it in. 
And uh, it is a ton of fun, fast-paced, fast-moving game. It's actually how I met my wife playing Ultimate. And uh, we used to go around, we had this like pretty high high demand, high intensity intramural college team. And we would travel and like play other teams. It's like full throttle, right? You're playing ultimate for real. And so we were all really into it. We would go and play these tournaments and spend the weekend doing it. And it was an absolute blast. And uh, we were playing, I think it was Ohio State, this one tournament. And uh, man, it was a close game. You know, it was getting close down to the wire. And I don't know if you know this, but I mean, I'm a fairly competitive person. And in the moment when I was playing ultimate, I thought, it's time for us to win, right? It's like, it's go time. We need to score right now, you know? And I'm in the middle of this play. What happens is the guy that with the Frisbee called the disc, the guy with the disc, man, if you ever watch these guys who are really good at Frisbee throw it, they're amazing, right? He just like launches this thing, throws it too fast, a little bit too far. And I think to myself, I'm in trouble. I got to go run and get this Frisbee. It's a little bit out of my range, Ugh. right? But I make a decision in that moment, I'm going to go for it. It is go time, right? And I, I start like slow motion, right? The music's playing in the background behind me. <sighs> I'm going full throttle for the disc, man. And there's this phrase in Ultimate Frisbee, if you've never heard this, it's called laying out. And laying out is basically this. It's when you get close enough to the Frisbee, you just dive for it and lean in and go, kind of go for it full throttle and you just call laying out, you'll end up completely horizontal, like three feet off the ground. It's awesome until you hit the ground, right? That part's kind of terrible, but like you're laying out. And so I get close enough that I think, well, I can at least give it a try. I'm within striking distance, maybe. It's time to lay out. And you got to understand, like at this point in my life, I was convinced that winning the, the intramural collegiate ultimate frisbee tournament was worth any pain or damage that I would do to my body, right? Like, it's all good. It's worth it. And, and so I get real close, man, and I just like launch, right? I am shooting out there full out, laying out. It was terrible. I, I got just close enough to touch it, right? Just close enough to touch the frisbee and it shot about two feet. Totally missed it, right? Ultimate fail. And I was like, no! And then I have to hit the ground, right? So now I'm hitting the ground. I land on my shoulder. And as soon as I hit, man, there's this big like pop. And I was like, that's not good, right? Something just happened. And I'm like, I lay there for a minute like, I just messed something up and I didn't even win the game. The story's terrible. <laughs> like, what happened? Right? So I'm laying there and, and I get up and I go, I'm all right. I think I'm okay. I think I can keep playing. And this is like standard, right? 19-year-old, I'm going to win the game mentality. And so I keep playing. I'm like, coach, let me stay in. And I, go, I go to block a pass, you know, with my arm and I can't even pick it up. And I'm like, all right, it's broke. Time to go get it fixed, right? Something's wrong. So I go to the hospital and they're like, you've dislocated your shoulder. They do the like pop it back in place things, kind of gross. And, and then they're like, Ryan, listen, you need to leave this thing in a sling for like three weeks. I was like, yeah, whatever, right? I, like, can I go play now? Can I go get back in the game? Right? You need to leave it alone. Leave it in a sling for three weeks and then you need to do physical therapy. I was like, okay, whatever, right? So I leave. I think I left the sling on for like a week. I'm like, it's good enough, right? I got this. And then never do physical therapy, right? I just start living life and I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good to go. My shoulder was like never totally right after that, you know? I was like, it always kind of hurts when I do push-ups or when I use it in certain ways, but it didn't bother me. I'm good. I'm tough, you know? That was fun. About 15 years later, 
I'm like, honey, I totally forget about the ultimate Frisbee thing, right? Forget about the whole event. I'm like, honey, my shoulder, like, really hurts. I, I, I can't really sleep on it anymore, and you know, I, I can't really move it in certain ways. I, what's wrong with me, right? So I go in to get physical therapy, and they're like, oh, oh, you, like, didn't heal it right? Oh, you're jacked up, buddy. <laughs> like, sorry about your luck. It's, this is how it is with the emotional realm. Okay, it's the same thing. Right, well, what happens is we get some damage somewhere back in, the, back in the past. I get hurt. And if I don't process it right the first time, when it happens, if I don't like, go through the actual steps to make sure I'm healing and I'm making that thing right, what's going to happen is later it's going to get worse and it's going to get complicated. We all know that's just how it goes. Right? And we can all think of how this might show up because you guys ever noticed this in your lives? I don't know if you notice that I do. You ever notice you're, you're getting more irritable? Like there's just less patience with people and people just bug you. And you're like, man, these people just bug me more. And sometimes your friends and people close to you, they even tell you that. Like, honey or, or bud, hey man, like you seem like you're a little bit on edge. Right? You ever notice it when you're driving? Like somebody cuts you off in traffic and you like lose your mind. You're demon possessed. What's wrong with you? You're like, where did that come from, <laughs> right? I think I need spiritual help here. Like what is going on? And all of a sudden, if you look, there, there's sometimes emotions that pop out and they pop out in ways we don't expect, right? They, they come from places we do not look for them and it's not predictable. That's the hard thing about the emotional realm, right? Physically, I can say, I hurt my shoulder, my shoulder hurts. Emotionally, I have some emotional stuff happen, man, and it can come out sideways. It comes out in weird ways that I don't even know, and I'm irritable, I'm frustrated, I maybe have a midlife crisis. All kinds of stuff can happen, right, if I don't work through that. And every counselor, every pastor, everybody who works with people in their development will tell you the leading thing that disables us in our life progression is not processing the emotions of life, right? If you want to figure it out, it's not working through the stuff of the past or the stuff of the present in the right way, kind of the correct process. And when I don't do that, what happens is my future and sometimes my present is affected by that. So that's what we're going to talk about in the course of this series. We want to say, what is that process? How do I make sure I'm working it through all the way? so that I can be fully functioning, that I can be as healthy as God would want me to be, and I can live out what God would want for my life. And so we're going to dive into. So today what we're going to do is introduce, I would say, a crucial ingredient that needs to show up in this process. I'll tell you this, as we look into it, it's not going to be the silver bullet, the cure-all, but it's an absolute necessity. It's an ingredient or a starting point for making sure we're processing the emotions of life. Okay, so we're going to talk about that, and then over the next few weeks, we'll dive into some specifics about how this can look with certain emotions. Okay, and for the sake of our conversation, I want to make sure I give us some definitions here. I'm going to use the word pain to describe any emotion that's kind of down that kind of negative emotional realm. So things like anxiety or frustration or loneliness or insecurity, depression, grief, anything in that, we're just going to call that pain for today. All of those emotions at some level or another have pain in them, and we're just going to use that word to define it. So when I talk about pain, we're talking about the emotional pain of life for the sake of this conversation. Let me tell you about this path kind of from a big picture perspective, then we'll look at each of the parts as we go along. So here's the three big parts of the path. 
Here's the first one. Uh, there's real pain in life, right? There's real pain in life. Here's the second one. There is a real God in pain, right? When I'm in the middle of pain. Here's the third one. There is real life in God. Okay, we're going to look at those three aspects, those three truths and realities. When we look at it, we're going to see that there is a bit of a process that God would lead us through in helping us to process kind of the pain, the emotions of life, all the feels. So here's the first one. Let's dive into it. There is real pain in life. Okay, it's the first note if you're taking notes. There's real pain in life. And uh, we even see this show up in a big way here. Uh, what Jesus is going to talk a little bit about how this might look. He's going to kind of succinctly say this. John chapter 16, verse 33. He's going to just say this way. In this life, you will have trouble. All right? In this life, you will have trouble. The reality is that living life, this side of heaven or this side of eternity, means I'm going to live in a world where imperfect things happen all the time. Right? So I'm going to have goals that are going to be blocked. I have a body that's going to break down. Right? I have grief that's going to happen. I'm going to experience loss. I'm going to experience frustration. People aren't going to treat me the way that I want to be treated. Right? My heart's going to be broken. You're like, Ryan, this is really inspiring. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> right? But it's just the reality. It's just the reality of living life this side of heaven is there's stuff that's broken because something called sin has entered the world. Trouble is going to be part of my normal. And now when this trouble comes into my life, what my response is going to be is to be hurt. I'm going to be hurt by that. I'm going to have emotional pain. Sometimes that's going to be sadness. Sometimes it's going to be anger. Sometimes it's going to be frustration. But that hurt, that trouble, right, it's going to affect me in a very real and tangible way. There is real pain in life. Boy, it's important just to know that, right? Just to say that out loud. Why? You say, why is that so important, Ryan? Well, here's the thing. If I really believe through positive thinking and my own efforts and goal orientation that I can make heaven on earth, I'm in for a pretty big wake-up call when I run into trouble, right? This isn't heaven. This is earth. This, this, there's all kinds of joy to be had, all kinds of hope to be found. We'll talk about that. And the reality is that this life is going to have pain in it. And we need to know that. We need to operate on the basis of reality. No amount of positive thinking or self-will, right, or self-actualization is going to be able to take that away. That's not what this part of life is about, right? We're here on earth. Heaven is for later, right? So I'm an emotional being living in an imperfect world. What does that mean? Well, I want to look and say, okay, God has created me as a human being, that I, I am made with a mental capacity and a spiritual capacity. We have a, a sexual capacity. We have emotional capacity. And those things are all tied together. We're one thing. And boy, if that emotional part of life is not recognized, if it's not understood, then what happens is all the rest of the pieces of life are affected by it, and I might not even know it. The damage is happening, and I'm not even aware that it's happening. And one of the things that I find deeply encouraging is to watch how Jesus himself processes emotion, right? Because Jesus is God. And we might look and say, well, he's perfect. He's perfect. Certainly, Jesus didn't struggle with emotions. He, he didn't have an emotional response to imperfection that he experienced in this life. Well, in fact, it's actually a very different response than we might expect. Here's one verse where he kind of captured part of what Jesus would have experienced when he was on the planet. Matthew 26, 38. Look at this verse. 
Jesus would say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Right? He's preparing himself to go give his life, offer his life on the cross as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. As he prepares for that, he's going to say, man, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. This is God. Right? He's 100% God. He's 100% man. He's the God man. In his humanity, he would say, I'm overwhelmed. I'm so sad, it's almost killing me, the sorrow itself, uh, to the point of death. I need to know that. You need to know that. Right? That, that even Jesus himself got overwhelmed. He got sad. He got right, so hit by waves of emotion that he was kind of put into a place of weakness where he had to pray and ask God for help. That is huge for me to know. It's huge for me to know. Jesus himself struggled with real anguish and real pain. And in fact, if we looked through the rest of the Bible, we would find that many leaders, many spiritual leaders throughout the Bible would face these kinds of really real emotions. And one of the things that was fascinating for me when I came into the church, not necessarily this church, but the church, is there was almost a talk like emotion was bad, like if you feel sad or you feel frustrated or you feel alone, then you should just kind of skip over that part and get right to the hope part. And what I found when I started reading the Bible is something very, very different. What I found when I started reading the Bible is there was an incredible honesty among the people of the Bible. We're going to look at the Psalms in a little bit. And what you find in the Psalms is a kind of honesty that a lot of us, I think, would probably be a little bit uncomfortable with. Sometimes even looking at God saying, God, why is this happening? Right? There's a recognition that there is real pain in life. And that real pain affects us. It actually hurts. And that's okay. We can process it from there. And here's the reality is that emotion often itself is not the problem. If I allow that emotion to drive my life, if I don't figure out how to process it and deal with it, it can lead me to all kinds of danger. All kinds of harmful things can happen if I don't kind of grab it and see it and work with it in the way that God would prescribe. And here, here's one of the verses that would show this a bit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, the Apostle Paul says, hey, listen, be angry and do not sin. You're hurt. You can be angry. Just don't, cause you, don't let it cause you to sin. You're frustrated about an injustice in the world. You can be angry. But don't sin with it. Don't, don't harbor bitterness. Don't harbor unforgiveness. You can feel the emotion. You can be sad. You can be overwhelmed. You can even right, feel anxiety or insecurity. Don't let that cause you to go sin with it. Right? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And one of the things we talk about here at Grace sometimes is kind of a spectrum when we're looking at pain. Right? When pain hits we can think of it almost as a, a spectrum of how we might respond, right? And on one end of the spectrum, kind of one extreme, is to look at pain and deny it. This is what I was doing with my shoulder thing, right? I would look and say, yeah, I'm not in, I'm not in pain. I'm okay, right? My, my, my life blew up in this certain way, or this tragedy hit, or I've got this job stress, or I'm, I'm hit by life. I'm all right. I'm not affected by it. I'm tough, Right? And that, that's the response. What happens, though, when I deny my pain, when I deny the reality that I'm actually affected like a human being with, with real pain and real reality, what can happen is through the back door, bitterness can show up. 
If, if I'm actually hurt by someone and I don't admit it, eventually what's going to happen is I'll end up finding my place, myself in a place of bitterness. Right? If, I, if I have a big wound and I just cover it up with, with a rag and pretend like I'm not really hurt and hope it goes away when it's actually a deep wound, what's going to happen? Infection happens. If I don't deal with that thing, right, my shoulder's going to hurt. So I can deny the pain. That's an extreme response. It's one that we tend to run to because nobody wants to enter into and interact with pain. I just say it out loud. Nobody's really interested in doing it. Nobody's excited about it. But boy, it's an important part of life. One response is to deny it. The other response is to be defined by it. Right, kind of the opposite response is to say, I, I got hit by this thing, this trouble in life, it hurt me, and now this pain is defining who I am. I am now a victim. We've all experienced this kind of from friends or family, maybe ourselves, where we have been so struck by the, the circumstances of life that we don't know how to function outside of our pain. It becomes who we are, and now I am known as somebody who is hurt and hurting, and there's always a new set of pain and troubles in my life, right? It becomes the drama that surrounds who I am. Nobody wants to live like that. All of us want to say, okay, there's a real pain. It's reality. I want to process that in a way that is helpful and healing. Ryan, what does that look like? How would that, how would that actually play out? I want to show you this pattern uh, that I started to see in the Psalms, the book of Psalms, a handful of years ago. And here's how it really looks. The psalmist would, would be very, very open and honest, as we just mentioned, that, that there is real pain, oops, real pain in life. That says pain, kind of. Here we go. Real pain in life. You recognize that, make a step into it, be honest about it, and say, okay, here, here's real pain. I'm going to open up and admit it and be honest about it, and then I'm not going to stop there. I'm kind of going to go down into the valley of this emotion and this pain. And I'm going to do that because I want to recognize kind of the second big point that there is a real God in pain. There's a real God in pain. So when I'm in the middle of a place that I don't really want to be, a place of anxiety or a place of depression or insecurity, that God wants to meet me in the middle of that, that is huge to know. It's huge to know. There's a real God that wants to love me and help me and meet me in the middle of this situation. And I want to show you this. Out of, we're going to look at one of the Psalms today. And as I said, the whole book of Psalms is ideal. In fact, if you're looking for something to read through in the Bible, maybe during the course of this series, the book of Psalms would be ideal for this. But let's look at one together. Psalm 31. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, no big deal. Just grab one from underneath the chairs there. You can open it up to uh, page 385 in those Bibles. Download our app if you want to, Grace Ohio, and you can look at the notes in the, the passages there as well. As you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of background. So the, the person who's going to be writing the Psalms, writing this Psalm, at least, is a guy named David. And that David, when you think of, uh, maybe you heard of that story, David and Goliath, where David slayed this giant named Goliath. He had unbelievable courage. He would end up being a general, basically, that would lead Israel's army. He eventually became king. If, if you thought of the kind of the pinnacle of um, manly man, right? Somebody who embodied leadership, courage, somebody who would face off with evil, this is David. That's who we're looking at. 
we're going to see that he is unbelievably honest about his emotions. And he's even in the middle of a difficult situation here. He's going to kind of pour out his heart to God in a very real and honest way. Let's look at it together. Psalm chapter 31. Let's start in verse 9. David says this. He says, Be merciful to me, Lord. He says, For I am in distress. He recognizes it. Takes ownership for it. I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. My soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. He says, my strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Here's David going, he's saying, hey, I'm living life. This part's hard, God. I'm in distress. I'm in trouble. I'm facing anguish. I'm sad about this, right? Here's a, here's a, a general in the army, a king, owning the fact that he's feeling these emotions. It's a big deal. Here's what he says, verse 12, I'm forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. This is for I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and they plot to take my life. So David's going to look at his situation, right, the circumstances and his response to it, and he's going to be honest about it, and he's going to actually tell God about that. He's going to recognize there's a real God that sees my pain, knows me, knows my situation, and he actually wants to meet me in it. Boy, that is a big deal. Right? Because this is the essence of what it means to have a relationship with God. Right? You ever hear that phrase, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Well, it means we know each other, we talk to each other, we share with each other in very deep and real ways. And sometimes you have to almost think of it as, in human terms, to try to get your heart and your mind around what it's like to have a relationship with God. At least I do. You know, I've got four kids, uh, between 10 and 4, and uh, I, I think of it this way. When I think about my kids and, and they're sharing with me, when they're hurt, when they're lonely, when they're afraid, uh, when they're frustrated, even when they're angry, even if I'm the source of their anger because they're frustrated about a decision that I made, I always want them to come tell me rather than trying to manage that on their own. Just how it is. Right? If you're a parent or if you're a child, you, you know when you're hurt, you want to go to your parents. Right? When I think about when my kids, they get hurt all the time. Right? When you have kids between the age of four and 10, you're like somebody always needs a Band-Aid. Right? It's like constant. And what happens when our kids get hurt? My kids, when they get hurt, just like your kids, if you have kids, they, they always want to go and run to mom and dad. And it's fascinating because they come and they run to mom and dad. And what do they do when they come to run to mom and dad? They, they just look and all they want to do is tell you, it hurts. Right? And you're like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. And they just look at you. Right? Like, over, honey, I'll be right back. I'm going to get you some ice. Don't leave. It hurts. Right? And they'll just keep telling you over and over and over again. Right? And then eventually you're like, honey, you want me to kiss it? Right? And you kiss it. Does it feel better? Right? And they, they know there's no, like, magic. They, they know that. They know there's no magic in that kiss. What happens when parents love on their kids and they meet them in the middle of their pain, the middle of their difficult situation, what happens is they're heard, right? I think half of healing is just being heard. It really is. And that's part of our humanity. 
Right? Being heard and being understood and being known by somebody who I know loves me is unbelievably healing, and we underestimate it. I do too. I do too. Sometimes it blows my mind that uh, the God of the universe, the, right, that I'm one of seven billion people on the planet, and God would care about me, like my situation and my anxiety and my frustration. Anyway, that when I'm hit with life, God actually cares about that. And he cares about me in it. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? And listen, you, you may have never even heard, you may have never heard that. You may have heard that God's not interested in your pain. There's hope in God. Skip, deny the pain. Don't even pretend like it, right? Pretend like it never happened. Just jump right to the hope part. Forget about it. And the reality is that's not how human beings work. This is what the psalm shows us. The psalmist is going to show us, man, I got to be honest about this. I got to meet God in the middle of it. God actually wants to meet me in the middle of it. And when I bring him into the situation, I can actually begin to have some healing in my life. And then I might be able to see broader than I can see today. Because here's the thing, nothing, nothing causes my vision to be limited like pain. Well, you, you, you want to have your vision limited to see only pain? Well, it's, it's when you're right in the thick of it. Right? I can't see other people's needs. I can't see vision for the future. I can't see hope for life. When I'm in the middle of pain, when my kids scrape their knee, all they can say is, it hurts. And that's true for us. When a meltdown is happening, when I'm feeling left out, alone, frustrated, you name it, all I can see is the pain. So I involve God in the process. He wants to meet me in the middle of it. This is why Jesus is going to say it this way, Matthew 20, or Matthew eleven twenty eight. he's going to say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Right, bring it to me. Bring it to me. God wants to meet me in the middle of it. Rather than trying to manage it on my own, right, rather than trying to cover up the pain with something else, rather than self-medicating, Rather than run into substance abuse, by the way, most substance abuse, anybody who would tell you if, you, if you talk to Ryan, he'd tell you, my substance abuse well, wasn't about me wanting to be an addict. I wasn't trying to have a good time. I was managing my pain. Right? We heard a story. It's powerful. That's what it's all about. Rather than running to substance abuse, rather than running to materialism to cover up my insecurity, or running to having a great body so that nobody knows actually how weak I feel on the inside, or running to performance so that when I win that trophy and I win the day that nobody's going to really know how I really am hurting because of my parents' divorce. You, you go on and on and on. Rather than skipping over the process, what God would say is, I, I want you to process it with me. Go through the valley with me. It's the hardest work you'll ever do. But when we do that, healing can start to happen, and I can start to see life and hope and vision for the future in a way that is true and real and healed, not pretending that I have it all together and slapping some Bible verses on it and, and slapping on kind of a fake smile. Right? Nobody wants to live that way. There is real pain in life. There is real God in pain, and there is real life in God. All right, there's real life in God. 
So I don't get stuck in the pain, right? I don't want to stay there forever. I don't want to be defined by it, even with God. I want to find my way out of it as God meets me in the middle of it. I can start to have my vision expanded and start to see a little bit more of what God has for me. Watch how it plays out for David, Psalm 31, right? So he just listed all these things that he has been feeling and affected by. He tells it directly to God. Look at verse 14. He says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. He says, let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I've cried out to you. Skip over to verse 21. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. Listen to what he says. In my alarm, right, in my emotion, when I was freaking out, we could say, I said, I am cut off from your sight. So David's saying. When I, when I was losing it, when I was feeling overwhelmed, I, I wondered, God, did you leave me? Are you done with me? Did you quit on me? Is all hope lost for me? Or am I cut off from your sight? He says, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called you for help. Here's his big conclusion, verse 23. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong, take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Do you see the process? Honesty, bringing it to God. Now I'm opened up and I can start to see broader. I can take heart and find the life that God offers. Right? But boy, I don't want to skip the process. Why? It just doesn't work. Right? If I don't go through the steps, I don't go through the process, the shoulder's going gonna, gonna to hurt later. Right? There is real life in God. Listen to the way that Jesus would say it. We're going to see the rest of the verse, John 16, 33. Here's what he says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Here's what we read before. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Same words. I have overcome the world. He's going to look and say, listen, you're going to have trouble in this world, but I beat it. There is hope to have. There is peace to have. Love that. We heard that in Ryan's story today that he found a peace that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses understanding. Where did he find that? Well, he was able to look up from the pit, coming out of addiction and pain and loss, and now he's able to find a hope and a joy and a peace and a life that is beyond description. And listen, that, that has to be the outcome. I have to land in a place where I see what God has. And listen, this is the reality. Peace is not found from me controlling all of my circumstances and getting it all perfect and right, right, just like I hope, because that's not possible. Why? We, we live in a fallen world. In this world, you'll have trouble. Joy is not found by getting everybody to interact with me just the way that I want them to. And controlling the response is not going to happen. Why? We're sinful human beings. We live in a broken, fallen world. In this life, you'll have trouble. Those things, life and peace and joy and hope for the future, that can all show up when I start to see that the God who loves me in the midst of my pain has a purpose for it and, and there's something real that I can give myself to when I interact and I lock into God's love for me, right? There's a real life there. I don't need to stay in a place of deep, deep brokenness. I can find my way out. And God wants to heal me. He wants to take me through the valley to get me to the other side, 
right? I've got to be careful that I don't skip the process, but there is life to be had. What do I do with this? Right? What do I do with this conversation? It's a big one. It's a review. Look back. Pain is going to come into my life. I want to avoid the extremes. I don't want to deny it. I don't want to be defined by it. I want to walk the path, right? I got to be honest when I bump into the emotions of life. I want to see the crossroads that when life hits and when life happens and when my emotions surface, there is a decision to make that I'm, I'm either going to try to make this big jump over here. And the reality is that does not work. My shoulder will hurt again. I can try to cover my pain and my insecurity with a hood ornament, right, or a body fat percentage or a nip and tuck or a new promotion or whatever that causes me to push that pain down. The reality is I have to go through it if I actually want to heal from it. So I enter in. I'm honest about it. I'm not defined by it. I bring God into it. God wants to meet me in the middle, just like a perfect heavenly father, a, a good father would do. And he helps me find life on the other side. I come out with perspective, knowing a God who gives comfort to me. Right? That's what it looks like. Let me, let me talk to this for a second. This process we just talked about, th this isn't going to heal every emotional wound that you have, right? If you have something from your past or you're in the thick of a major loss, a major breakthrough, maybe you're in the thick of addiction, right? We're looking at Kevin and Ryan's stories and we're hearing where they are. It's not guaranteed that this is going to fix all of that, right? Kind of one silver bullet moment. But here's what I'll guarantee you. No amount of counseling or medicine or self-help, or self-actualization, or goal-chasing will fix the emotional problems without this. This is an absolutely essential element to me finding real life. It's just how it is. Now, might, might you need counseling? Absolutely. Most of the healthy people, by the way, that I know, myself included, get counseling. Just saying. It's part of it. For me, what I realize is that if I want to be healthy and fully functioning, working on my emotions and processing this stuff takes a lot more effort than I thought it did. It's just hard. It's hard. It's the hardest work you're going to do. This is not a silver bullet, but it's an essential ingredient. I will not find healing for life outside of a relationship with God. We heard that from our stories today. So what do I do with this? Right? How do I move forward? I think it starts like this. I got to recognize when I'm at that crossroads, what am I going to do with my pain? Maybe it's from the past. Maybe I've buried that stuff, right? It's, it's under a, a load of life and a bunch of accomplishments. And it, I look great on the outside, but inside I'm all messed up. Or maybe it's raw right now. There's something happening in life and I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. Am I being honest about the pain of life? Right? Am I being honest with myself about it? I got to ask that question. About 10 years ago, I, my, uh, my mom, my stepdad, who I really grew up with, is kind of my, my parental base. They got divorced. And I remember thinking, this isn't like a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm married. I'm 25. I'm a pastor. I've studied the Bible. 
You know, I've done counseling, homework. I know what, how this stuff all works. I'm fine. I'm good. You know, and then Lori started to talk to me about it. She says, honey, I, I think this is affecting you. Right? You're getting short. You're getting irritable. I, I think your parents' divorce is actually affecting you in some ways you don't realize. She was dead right. I completely underestimated the impact that that had on my life. I thought, I got it. I'm good. My shoulder's fine. You know? here's, the, here's the reality. For most of us, that's in an attempt to be self-sufficient and independent, most of us are going to be tempted to say, I'm good. I'm fine. What I had to do, and I think what we all have to do, is, is actually be honest about it and actually interact with God in it. So am I doing that? Am I being honest? Am I involving God in the process? Say, Ryan, what does that look like? What do you mean involve God in the process? I think it can look a bunch of different ways. I think on a day-to-day basis, telling God how I feel, maybe before a meeting in the car, maybe preparing for work, maybe, I, maybe you got to go to the bathroom and spend a minute to get your head right and say, God, I need you. I'm stressed out about this meeting. I'm stressed out about this conversation with my boss. I'm feeling alone. Will you be with me? Say, so, Ryan, that sounds weird. That's a relationship with God. If it sounds weird, it sounds weird. That's how it works. On a day-to-day basis, I think that's it, clinging to God in the little moments of life. If you're getting started and there's maybe something big, maybe there's something you've never shared with anybody. Maybe there's an abuse or a hurt or something you've never really talked about, never processed. Sometimes I'll have conversations, especially with men about this. And they'll maybe share something with me for the first time. And I usually I'll encourage them. I'll say, brother, have you ever talked to God about this? And then I'll say, here, I tell them what I do. So when, I, when I'm processing something that I'm frustrated about, hurt about, and I got to work it out, I go out into the woods and I'm just real honest with God. Whatever's on my mind, I say. If I'm mad, I'm mad. If I share Right, openly, I share openly. I kind of pour it all out to God. He can handle that. What he wants is he wants us to bring it to him. That's the point. So there might be stuff way back there I want to bring God into. Ask him to help me with it. It might be happening right now. There might be a pain and emotion of, of shame and guilt like we heard in our story earlier from, from Kevin. You might be here today and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here right now. This guy's talking about ultimate Frisbee. Like, what's going on, right? And you're like, my friend drugged me here and all I know is I'm fe- I do feel shame and guilt. I hear you. I grew up outside of the church and I experienced shame and guilt. I was doing things I wasn't proud of. I had no idea what to do with it. Shame and guilt is an emotion that God himself has taken care of through Jesus, it's actually, it's actually something he's paid for. That's what Jesus was doing when he died on the cross. He lived a perfect life. He died an innocent death to pay for your imperfect life and my imperfect life for our sin, the Bible says. And when he does that, it removes my shame and guilt. When I look back on my past life, I'm not proud of the things that I did and there's no shame left. Jesus took it. The guilt is gone. Jesus took it. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, say, Jesus, will you take my shame and get, will you meet me in the middle of that? 
That may be a decision you would consider today. Say, I want to follow Christ. I want you to pay for my sin. Take this shame and guilt out of my life. Right? It might be historical. It might be current. It might be your shame and guilt right now. And then, guys, we, we got to look up right, from here. There is purpose to it. There is life in it. If I walk all the way through, there is a peace and a life that Ryan and Kevin have found and are finding, and that's an inspiration to all of us, no matter what my story is. It may not be a a cataclysmic, massive, life-altering thing. It might be day-to-day stuff that I'm processing through, but God wants to lead you into life and peace and joy And it'll actually even use your pain in powerful ways to bring life and hope in the lives of others. Okay, so we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. It starts with me even maybe today being honest with God and bringing him into it. We're going to do that now as we sing and pray and worship. Would you be open to sharing your heart with God? Bring him into even the painful parts. Let me pray for us. Father, we, we want to pause right here and recognize that, God, you are, you are the God of the entire universe. You, you know every detail of every person on the entire planet. And God, you know what's going on inside of our hearts right now. You know it better than we know it. You know if we're being honest you see the pain and you long for us to bring you into it. God, would you give us courage to do that? To say things that feel weak, like I need help. I'm overwhelmed. I'm lost. And say those things to you, Lord. And you're not going to judge us. You won't condemn us as a perfect and a loving father, you will embrace us in the middle of that. God, would you help us? Would you heal us from the inside out? Bring in the hard stuff of life to you. And then would you lift our eyes to see the hope, the good and the joy, the stuff that's worth living for. God, meet us here even now. It's in your name we pray. Mm-hmm.